0: Uh, this is our last in the series, One Another. Uh, we've spent seven weeks thinking about what it means and what it looks like to be a church, to be a, a local Christian community that genuinely longs to and seeks to love one another. Why? Well, because we believe that is what Jesus commands us to do, and also it is what identifies us as his disciples. A new command I give you, says Jesus. Love one another. By this, everyone will know you're my disciples. If you love one another, in real terms, sort of concrete, active terms, that love is expressed in these tangible, biblical one another's. Here's what it means. Here's what it looks like in practice. Here's how to obey Jesus. Here's how to witness To a watching world, we forgive one another. We serve one another. We pray for one another. We confess our sins to one another. We comfort one another. There are more of these throughout the New Testament, but these are the ones that we have looked at during this series. We also spent one week thinking about what it doesn't look like, what we shouldn't do to one another, that we shouldn't bite and we shouldn't devour, and we shouldn't provoke, and we shouldn't envy, and we shouldn't judge one another. But today, we reach the end, and as Heather has said, we're about to consider the final one on this list, teach and admonish one another. But before we go there, someone spoke to me after the service last Sunday and made an interesting suggestion. They said, given the importance of this, Given the internal and external implications of getting this right or wrong, the impact within and beyond these walls, is there not a strong case for going back to the start and teaching through this series all over again? Now, I like that idea. (laughs) And I like that idea for a few reasons, and honestly it's not because my sermon preparation time would drastically be reduced for eight weeks, although that would be nice. Uh, But I do wonder that if we repeated this series back to back, word for word, would it say something about our intentions, our priorities, and our commitment to this core command of Jesus? Would it? Would it make each of us more aware of our responsibilities to one another? And show that actually, do you know something? We're just gonna stay here until we get this absolutely right. I don't know. But watch this space and who knows where we'll go to after Easter on Sunday mornings. I would love to hear your thoughts on that idea, okay? So talk to me afterwards. What would it be like to repeat an entire series? Start to finish word for word. Right, back to this final one another. Teach and admonish, but particularly or specifically, I want to deal with the admonish dimension. And I want to ask you a question, and I don't want or need anyone to answer me out loud. Heather's already Tease some of this out. But what comes to mind whenever you think of admonishment? What exactly comes to mind it's not really a word you hear very often. Certainly not outside of a church context. For you, is it a positive word or negative? Positive or negative? Does this whole idea of admonishing one another excite you? Or does it make you really nervous? When was the last time you admonished someone? When was the last time... Someone admonished you. Is this the kind of image that comes to mind? Well, look, if you have a Bible, please turn with me to... uh, Who does that actually look like? (laughs) Answers in a postcard. Uh, Please turn with me to Colossians chapter 3. It's page 1184 in the the church pew Bibles. Because here's a kind of biblical basis for this. The verse that's been on the screen a number of times, but I actually want us to read from verses 15 to 17, although I am going to come back to the earlier verses a bit later. So, as we often do here at Windsor, can I invite you to stand for the very short public reading of God's word. Colossians 3, starting at verse 15. Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, since as members of one body you were called to peace, and be thankful. Let the message of Christ dwell among you richly as you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom. Through psalms, hymns, songs from the Spirit, singing to God with gratitude in your hearts. And whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. Take a seat whenever you look down that list that was on the screen a moment ago there definitely are a couple that stand out or at least strike me as the ones that we are less likely to to embrace and the two that we tend to shy away from and I could be wrong in this but, but I think we do tend to shy away from two in particular it's not that the rest are easy Every single one of those, one another's, is a challenge. But there's two that I think in particular we kind of look at and go, I'm just not so sure about those. Don't quite know what those look like in practice. I am nervous of them. And the first is, confess your sins to each other. And as I said weeks ago, I was really encouraging you to make sure there are people in your life Who you confess your sins to. It's a biblical principle and value so that we can pray for one another. So, again, I ask when was the last time you confessed your sins to another Christian brother or sister? But this second one that kind of stands out and is a tricky one is this idea of admonishing one another. Admonition is the mutuality command, the one another command we obey least often, according to this guy. And when we attempt to obey it, we usually do the worst job. And yet some would argue that it's more important than any of the rest. Why? Because it's mentioned more often than any of the rest. But what exactly is it? Well, even before we get into definitions, let me suggest a few reasons why I think we're reluctant to do this. Because I actually sense that most of us have a pretty good idea of what it does mean and what it does involve. So let me give you reasons why we don't do it. See if you can relate to any of these or all of these. To start with, many of us feel unqualified or unworthy, to say the least. Who am I to admonish anyone? I've got enough issues to deal with myself. I've got enough problems of my own to work at and to work through without going and speaking to anybody else about some of their issues. So we feel unqualified, we feel unworthy. Or we're heart-scared of coming across judgmental and intolerant. I mean, the teaching of, of Jesus in Matthew 7 seems relevant here because how can we even think of picking a splinter out of someone's eye when it feels like there's a dirty great plank sticking out of our own? So not only, are we not, or not only are we concerned about sounding judgmental and intolerant, but there's every chance, as far as we're concerned, that we could be guilty of downright hypocrisy. That for me to go and speak to you about something that's going on in your life that is on thin ice, that seems that you are walking on thin ice, would be hypocritical. Or maybe... We're reluctant to admonish anyone because we're really quite glad, quite relieved that others are as messed up as us. We feel good that he or she is getting it wrong because it kind of takes the bad look off us. So let's leave them at it. Or perhaps the most common cause of our reluctance to admonish is adaptability. And so we've come to expect that person That friend, that husband, that wife, that son, that daughter, that father, that mother. We've kind of come to expect them to do that, whatever that is. Even though it's wrong, it's not good, it's not helpful, it's potentially damaging. But we've come to expect them to do it and so we accept them for it. We kind of turn a blind eye to it. We overlook it. And then we reason that accepting them, despite what they're doing, is the most loving thing we can do for them. And so, instead of admonishing them, we'd rather keep the peace than deal with the reaction and the fallout. And so we've just learned to adapt with what one another are doing one final reason why we're reluctant to admonish is that it is far easier it is more natural to talk about that person and what they're doing than talk to them and so it's easier to share it with others than it is to share your concerns with the person directly now there may be other reasons for our tendency to avoid this one another. But I want to suggest these are the most likely. The reason I want to suggest these are the most likely is because if I'm honest, these are the reasons I tend to use to duck this issue. And so when was the last time I admonished anyone? And I'm a pastor. <laughs> but despite all these difficulties... Perceived difficulties, real difficulties, are they not at the end of the day just excuses? And surely no excuse is good enough from what is clearly an explicit biblical command. As members of one another, we have a responsibility here. We have an obligation for one another. We can't say like Cain back in Genesis 4-9, am I my brother's keeper? A phrase that has kind of come to symbolize people's unwillingness to accept responsibility for the welfare of others. See, the reality is, as Christians, we we do have responsibility. Yes, we do have responsibility generally for our fellow human beings. But specifically and particularly, we have a responsibility for each other's spiritual well-being within the family of God. Why? Because we belong to one another. We're members. We've looked at this. We are members of one another. Hence, Paul's instruction here to the Colossians. Hence, this infamous proverb as iron sharpens iron, so one person sharpens another. We're meant to be speaking into each other's lives as we journey together. We're meant to be helping one another to be more effective in Christian discipleship. Otherwise, what happens is we lose our edge we lose our edge. And so I suppose the question is not so much whether we should do this, but how? How can we admonish one another in a local church? Well, what exactly is it? Let's actually nail down some definitions so that we're clear on what we're meant to be doing. And then we're going to look at a sort of essential attitude that is required. To admonish means... To set right, to correct, to warn, to instruct, to counsel, to urge. One Bible dictionary defines it like this. It seeks to correct the mind, to put right what is wrong, in order to improve the spiritual attitude. And so we always do this, if we ever do this, but we always do this to help to realign faulty thinking and behaviour, to encourage people back on track, to encourage people on in Christian faith and deeper in discipleship. We do it to sharpen. And so it can never be an excuse to hammer someone, or it should never be used as a license to go and point out people's mistakes for the sake of it, as if we are some kind of designated moral monitors. God forbid. But having said that, there is no doubt that what we're dealing with, what we're talking about, does involve a certain degree of confrontation. And this is one of the key reasons why I shy away from it. I hate confrontation. But there's no doubt that admonishing someone does involve a certain degree of confrontation and challenge. It's inevitable. This is about drawing alongside a Christian brother or Christian sister and highlighting concerns about the choices they're making. You're walking in thin ice. It's about challenging them about the decisions they're taking. And the truth is, whenever someone comes to us and challenges us, We can't get defensive. We get resistant. And I know it's a, a buzzword at the moment, but this is about a level of accountability. This is about holding one another accountable for our attitudes and our words and our actions. And whenever those attitudes, words and actions jar with God's word, whenever they jar with Christian growth, there has got to be a place, there needs to be a place for someone to lovingly, directly challengingly speak into our lives. Whenever I hold an attitude that contradicts the attitude I'm meant to have, which is that of Christ Jesus. Whenever my words just rip people apart, whenever I gossip, whenever my behaviour sends out all sitting in, number of confusing signals I need someone to speak into my life because sometimes it seems I'm having difficulty hearing God and yet the truth is that the way God tends to work is yes through his word but he also speaks to us through one another that's what the body of Christ is about in terms of two biblical examples let me just give you two come to mind. The Old Testament there's Nathan. Nathan the prophet draws alongside King David who creatively or sorry and then creatively spoke into David's life, challenged him about the choices, challenged him about his actions with Bathsheba and her husband. He certainly counselled. He certainly warned, he certainly got David back on track, and who knows what would have happened if Nathan hadn't gone to admonish him after that affair. In the New Testament, there's a sense in which the Apostle Paul constantly did this. But certainly within the Corinthian church, he very directly challenged their behavior. He challenged their lifestyle on a regular basis. And so to admonish one another is about speaking into each other's lives with words that set right, that correct, that warn, that counsel. But let me take this further. Let me tease this out a bit more. And we actually need to do this. Otherwise, we could have mayhem. And we could have a lot of strained relationships if we're not careful with this. I've seen this work well. I've also seen this work really badly. First thing is, I know it goes without saying, but wisdom is essential. Paul makes that crystal clear. Teach and admonish one another with all wisdom. You've simply got to be wise here or else you could end up making massive mistakes and doing more damage than good. And so, for example, you need to be wise. You need to be aware of the complexity of certain situations. We've got to be extremely careful about the lack of adequate information before we go and speak to someone. And there are occasions whenever there may be a level of ambiguity about whether what someone is doing is necessarily wrong or harmful. How do we decide? Who decides? what basis are we going and before we weigh in with two feet and a lot of words let's remember the desperate need for wisdom but what else does God's word say about how we should do it well closely linked with how we should do it is who should do it let me take you to Romans 15 don't need to turn to it verse 14 here's what it says I, Paul, myself, I'm satisfied about you, my brothers and sisters, that you yourselves are full of goodness, filled with all knowledge, and you're able, or in some translations, you're competent to instruct, or in some translations, you're competent to admonish. It's exactly the same word, one another. And it seems to me that there's a couple of things that characterize and describe competent admonishers. Two things, and here they are. The first is, they're full of goodness. Now before we all run for cover and rule ourselves out, because how many of us would ever claim to be full of goodness? We think, okay, there's some goodness in me, but full of it? That seems a bit of a stretch. So let me explain what I understand Paul meant by this term. Full of goodness refers To someone with good Christian character. This is a reference to someone who's growing and maturing in their faith. They're not perfect. No one is. But there is clear evidence and signs of development and transformation. They are being conformed. They are being conformed. They are being transformed into the image of Jesus. That's the sort of person that admonishes. And I don't know about you, but whenever someone speaks into my life who's clearly committed to Jesus and discipleship, who's living it, who's seeking to grow in their faith. In other words, whenever it's someone that I respect as a Christian fellow pilgrim, then I'm far more open. I'm far more able to hear what they say, even though it may be hard, even though it may be direct, even though it may be challenging, even though it may disturb me. But if I see in that person someone of good Christian character I will listen but as we think about this characteristic of good and competent admonishers let me go back to Colossians 3 and if you do have your bible still open at Colossians 3 look at this with me because I did say I was going to read some of the earlier verses and I want to start and I want to read from verse 12 up to where we started reading at verse 15 here's what it says therefore as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved. Now remember, this comes right before this instruction to teach and admonish one another. Therefore, clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Bear with each other, forgive one another if any of you has a grievance against someone. Forgive as the Lord forgave you, and over all these virtues put on love which binds them all together in perfect unity. You see, for me, these words are absolutely critical before you hear the command to teach and admonish one another, as Paul goes on to instruct in verse 16. Because not only does he dictate and influence who should admonish, but it says so much about how it should be done, in what context. If you like, here is the proper dress code. Here is a character-based outfit that you need to be wearing. As you go to admonish someone, you need to be decked out with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, patience. You need to get into forgiveness. Forgiveness. And over the top of all that there's one missing essential garment that you've got to wear and that's love. And you see whenever you're dressed like this then you're dressed for success in admonishing. And again and I'm not sure I really need to say this but you see if someone comes to me dressed like that and speaks into my life I'm going to listen very carefully to what they say. You see, when someone comes along to speak to me, and there's no humility, they're proud, and there's a lack of patience, and I know they haven't forgiven lots of people, I will struggle to hear the challenge. So who does it? How do they do it? People do it who are full of goodness. People with a genuine Christian character. People who reflect all of this gear. The challenge for each of us is twofold. One, to allow those kinds of people to speak into our lives. To actually seek out those kinds of people. And those kinds of people are here. And it's so important that you seek out people of good Christian character and you invite them to speak into your life. You give them permission to hold you accountable. And secondly, we need to ask ourselves this, am I this sort of person? I mean, am I full of goodness? Because then, according to Paul, I'll be a competent admonisher. Back to Romans 15, nearly done. Because there's a a second characteristic of able admonishers. And that is that they are filled with knowledge. Or they are filled with all knowledge. Now again, don't rule yourself out because you don't feel that clever. We're not talking about general knowledge. We're not talking about knowledge in a specific subject. Paul here is referring to Christian knowledge. And specifically, he's referring to scripture-based and infused knowledge. This refers to those people who are growing in scripture. Came across this uh, comment during the week. Found helpful. Paul compliments the Christians in Rome because they're not just going through scripture. And I love this phrase, scripture is going through them. And when that happens... You have the ability to adequately and effectively admonish somebody. See, people who can admonish are people of this book. People who read it, consume it, absorb it, meditate on it, study it. People whose lives are immersed in regular engagement with Bible. That's the kind of people that admonish. If you go back to Colossians 3, verse 16, look at how it starts. Let the message of Christ, or in some of your translations it will say, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. And according to many, including the likes of Spurgeon, that is simply, and I love this quote, that is simply a very beautiful name for Holy Scripture. Let Holy Scripture dwell in you richly as you teach and admonish one another. See, I'm keen to hear what you think as you speak into my life. I am interested in your perspective, but whenever I realize, whenever I sense that what you think and how you see it is shaped and influenced by God's word, then again, I'm going to listen far more intently. As we come alongside and as we admonish one another, let us make sure that this dwells in us richly and flows through us. Do you remember what it says in 2 Timothy 3.16 about all God breathed scripture? That it's useful for what? Teaching, rebuking, correcting. All scripture is useful for those things. That is what provides the framework for every difficult conversation we have. And so, As we think about this one another, let me encourage you to allow people who are full of goodness and filled with knowledge to speak into your life. Allow people with good Christian character and people of this book to be the ones who admonish you. But in addition, let me strongly urge each and every one of us to be those kind of people. To be those kind of people. need to finish this it is my hope and prayer that we will be the kind of church that doesn't just believe all this in our heads but actually practices it in the everyday that these are the things that will shape windsor baptist church and will impact each and every one of our relationships and so as we end this series, and before I hand back to Heather, let me quote Colossians three seventeen to close. Paul says, we read it earlier, Whatever you do, whether in word or deed, and all of these, one and others, involve words and deeds. So whatever you do in word and deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. May we be a loving, thankful, Christ-centered church.